Welcome to the Online Course Master Show, where you learn how to create, launch, and promote your own online courses. Today, I'm excited to be here with my co-host, Jeremy Deegan, and an exciting guest, Neil Benson, all the way from Brisbane, Australia. It's er super early over there. So, Neil, thank you for joining us, and welcome to the show. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Jeremy. It's great to be with you. Yeah, we're super yeah, excited. Um, so from what we know about Neil, he's teaching courses on his own site uh, using Teachable. And he has made over $20,000 over the past year and a half. He is not on Udemy. And so this is going to be a great interview and episode for a lot of people who are looking to either supplement their income by putting their courses on their own site or who just want to start uh, out on their own site as well. So um, yeah, just uh, Jeremy, how's it going? I forgot to ask you, how's it going? You, you, <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, doing good, man. Doing good. Happy to be here, Neil. Glad to have you with us. I can't wait to dive in and hear about all the great things you got going on. Yeah, let's do it. So um, yeah, Jeremy, take it away. Question okay. with the questions. <laughs> so, so, so Neil, uh, I guess let's just start off with a little bit of uh, background about yourself. Um, what do you teach? How long have you been teaching it? And have you always been teaching or did you do something before online courses? Sure. Th thanks, Jeremy. I love uh, teaching people Scrum for Microsoft business applications. That's a, a really tiny uh, niche, niche. And I uh, thought I'd explain that a little bit. So my, my background is I started life as a, a sales guy using uh, some software called Customer Relationship Management Software, CRM software. Um, your listeners have probably heard of it, like Infusionsoft and MailChimp. Mm -hmm. But I tend to work with large enterprises who've got thousands of users in contact centers and sales teams and marketing departments. I started uh, using that software as a user. And then I transitioned uh, to what's known as a business analyst, which is helping teams deploy the software by getting to understand their requirements, communicating those requirements to developers who implement the software. And I spent probably 10 years trying to write the perfect requirement specification. I took a diploma. I read lots of textbooks. I went to workshops and, and conferences. And uh, I was always seeking this perfect requirement spec so that I could faithfully and accurately describe what users wanted from the software so that developers would be able to, to develop the software with no bugs, you know, get it right first time. But I had an experience in about 2008, I was working for a client and she rejected the 600 page specification we'd spent about six weeks writing. She <laughs> said uh, it was um, it was too ambiguous and it was incomplete and filled with jargon she didn't understand. And she didn't want to wait for 12 months to get the, the software working and in her hands. She wanted to see prototypes all along the way. So around about that time, I'd, I'd heard of an alternative way of developing software called Agile Software Development. And there's a popular methodology called Scrum, which is a great framework, which is Agile. So I switched to Scrum on that project and it was, um, it was really successful. In fact, it was... So successful, Debbie's company ends up being acquired by um, a big services company in the UK, partly because of the amazing system we've built. And we've been updating that system every week, or every two weeks for about a year and a half. So that was, that was a really nice um, experience. And today I, I specialize in, in Microsoft business applications. So they've got a range of business software, because most of it is called Dynamics 365. And uh, I've been working with that platform for about 10 years. And I've been really lucky 
to have received the Microsoft Most Valuable Professional Award mm -hmm. for the last 10 years as well. So that's an award that Microsoft gives out to people in their community for their thought leadership and being a volunteer on the forums and conferences and local user groups. Um, so I've been really lucky to have that award as well. I've written a couple of books on, on Microsoft CRM, but I was thinking about writing another book and I, I just didn't know if if a book or an ebook was the best way to communicate what I wanted to teach people about Scrum. So I discovered courses, decided to launch an online course instead. <laughs> so that's how I got going. So it, it looks like I'm on your site here. And uh, am I saying this right? Customary.com? That's right. Yes, it's customer with a Y on the end. So, uh, okay, gotcha. So how how long have you had that site up? Did you have the site for, first before you started creating uh, an online course? Yeah, so I had a freelance business in the UK in 2009 called, and I, I called it Customary. So I've had that domain name for uh, 10 years. And whenever I went to start the online course business, I kind of just revitalized that domain name. I've, I've been using that email address for a long time. So I started, um, before I launched the course, I started blogging on the topic of how to use Scrum, how to how to use it specifically for Microsoft Dynamics. And I blogged on there for about a year, uh, maybe close to a year before I launched the course. So what made you decide that you wanted to go ahead and continue creating an online course versus just focusing on the business that you're already doing? Um, so I've, I've had spells of working for big corporations mostly big consulting practices and spells of freelancing and doing my own thing. I kind of flip flop in between them. I want to build my own thing. Oh no, I don't want to invest <laughs> all my own money. I'll go and do it somebody else's money. Oh no, I hate working for other people. I'll go and do it myself. So um, the consulting business is really good. I, I really enjoy working with lots of clients, sharing my expertise on the software, but um, I did, you know, you have to fill in a timesheet every week. If you don't, if you, if you take a vacation, if you're sick, uh, the revenue stops pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to get off that hamster wheel, not just share my experience, but maybe generate a, a different way of earning a living as well. So I figured if, if I could develop a few courses, that might be an alternative revenue stream. And then eventually it might be, it might allow me to step back from consulting. Very cool. And so right now you just have, it's just the one course, uh, which is the introduction to Scrum for Dynamics 365, right? That's right. Yeah, I'm working on on future courses, but I've been working on, on the next course since I launched the first one 18 months ago. Well, so. I mean, it's a great, I mean, it's totally, I think this is something that I talk about in the podcast is that you can be successful with just one course or just a handful mm -hmm. of courses, which is different than what Jeremy and I have had success with, which is dozens of courses. So yep. it's a great sort of example for, for anyone. And it's, it's good to know too, because it's daunting to, be like, oh, well, I have to create 20 courses to make $1,000 a month where you're making over $1,000 a month and it's just from one course. So my, I guess my first kind of question is like, this is a very, very niche topic. Scrum, yep. I, I mean, even you explained it perfectly, but it still went <laughs> over my head about what, <laughs> what exactly it is. But it, But it sounds like, so Scrum is bigger than just what Dynamics 365 is, which is like the Microsoft aspect of it. Like, do you, did you have an, 
did you know there was an audience for this beforehand or like why did you decide to teach this specific course was it just because that was what you were doing for your business or like yeah how did you know people would be actually interested in this topic but yeah so you're absolutely right there's, there's two worlds i'm serving here one is scrum and the agile software movement which has been growing since you know about 2000 more and more software professionals, more and more organizations want to implement software in an agile way. And so there's a growing demand for courses, for books, for workshops on that topic. And within my niche of Dynamics 365, there's more and more teams transitioning to using an agile approach to implementing that software. Back in around 2000, 2010 even, Microsoft had their own methodology called SureStep, and that was very documentation heavy. Lots of analysis up front, months of design, then lock yourself away in a cupboard with a team of software developers, build the software product, unleash it onto your users and, and test it, and then fix all the bugs. And that kind of traditional approach is falling out of favor pretty quickly. And I've led pretty big consulting teams and very big projects using Scrum and being really successful with it. We've, we've had a lot of fun as well as, you know, faster delivery, better results, better outcomes, happier users. So I've seen that come together. Um, how big is the market? Um, so one of the things I do really well and spend a lot of time on is using LinkedIn. We'll maybe talk about that. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I think if you're selling into a professional market and selling to, to business users, you can use LinkedIn pretty well to try and size your market. If I do a search for dynamics on LinkedIn, there's almost 2 million people uh, registered. They have about 750 people wor worldwide on the LinkedIn um, social network or business network. And 2 million of those have got dynamics somewhere mm. in their profile. Now, some of them might be fluid dynamics or wave dynamics or some other kind of dynamics. Mm -hmm. But that's a, that's a pretty good way to size up your market. So no matter what you're into, if you're selling to business users, then LinkedIn's a pretty good way of sizing up your market. That's really interesting. And yeah, just great tip there. I've never thought about actually doing that just to kind of gauge the size of your target audience by looking at the number of people who have that specific skill set in their profile on LinkedIn. That's a great, great idea. And you're definitely teaching a more professional course. It's not really something that everyday users would anybody would want to learn just for fun. So was that <laughs> part of your decision in terms of host self-hosting it with Teachable versus putting it on a platform like Udemy? Or did you ever think about putting it on a Udemy or a Skillshare or anything else like that? Um, I'd only, I had just about launched the course when I came across Udemy through your podcast. So I had already built it on, on Teachable before I even discovered Udemy. Wow, nice. And through, through what I've learned from, from your guys' success on Udemy, I have taken a look at it, but um, I'm selling to uh, IT professionals. I want to be able to control my pricing. I want to be able to get to know my audience really well and engage them more directly than I can with Udemy. So I decided to keep it on Teachable. And I've been approached by a couple of other platforms, like really niche ones in, my, in Microsoft Dynamics, right? people who teach the real technical stuff. And they've got some courses. They want me to put my course on their platform. 
but that's not really my jam. I really, yeah. I really love looking after and serving my audience really, really deeply. I, I have I have two parts to it. I call it the customer insiders. So those are the people on my on my mailing list. They're they're with me on this journey to help transform how we implement dynamics. And then there's the customer crew. Those are my students who signed up and taken my course. And I have a, a pretty good relationship with, with with both of those audiences, and I want to continue to to have a really tight engagement with them. Uh, yeah, I love it. And, and uh, to be completely honest, I don't think you would be making as much money with this course on Udemy just because I don't know if the audience is on Udemy right now. Uh, so I think it's great that you have it on Teachable. So talk about just launching the first this first course. You put it up 18 months ago. Uh, I mean, most people who want to teach it online courses and sell them, they might have a website, they might not have a website. And I think that's the biggest question is like, how do I actually start making money with my courses? So talk about launching the first course, how you started making money. Was it successful? Did it take a while to ramp up? Who did you sell it to? How did you promote it? All that kind of stuff. Okay. <laughs> Everything. All right. So, uh, all right. But my numbers are, are really small and I'm, I'm not embarrassed by that. I think, you know, we, we see some mega successful course creators have million dollar launches and that's fantastic. They have their big audiences whenever they do that. And they're, they're reaching out into big affiliate networks and good for them. Yeah. My, my, my success is a lot more modest than that. And I think that's a good thing because a lot of your listeners will be at the same point that I was 18 months ago. Mm -hmm. that's so, right. Whenever I started blogging, I was capturing some you know, subscribers to my, my mailing list. I think I had about 80 people on my list when I launched my course. And I had heard that validating your course was a good idea. So I had recorded some videos and launched them on Teachable. I let my other Microsoft MVP buddies, there's about 100 of us worldwide, I let them know that I had this course and uh, two of them signed up. Uh, I was I, I had an offer. I think it was fifty dollars. And two of them signed up. I thought, wow, that's it, validated, done. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so that was uh, not the most scientific course validation process in the world, but I just kind of ran with it. Um, I launched it uh, partly on on LinkedIn to the people that I knew on LinkedIn at the time, and. Uh, my the people in my mailing list, those 80 people, and on Twitter, I had a couple of thousand um, followers on Twitter. I was working for a big four professional services firm at the time. So I had developed all of this in my spare time, evenings and weekends, blogging, working on my course, um, recording videos, doing the transcriptions, the, the worksheets, the intros, the outros, um, and then supporting students every time they complete a, a lecture, then there's an email that goes out and, and encourages them to take the next one. There was a quiz, there's a practice exam. So all of that had taken months and months to put together. And I launched it and we had about, I'd say about 30 sales in the first month. Wow, that's pretty good. And my list, yeah, that, that, was, that was really good. I was really pleased with that. And my list grew from about 80 people up to 200 people. And even today, my list is really small. It's about 1,500 people um, in the customer insiders mailing list. And I've had about 300 sales. In, so there's 300 people in the customer crew. Nice. Um, so on, on LinkedIn, I kind of doubled down. I actually, that big four professional services firm um, didn't really appreciate me having a LinkedIn profile. You know, they're, they're a big stuffy corporate 
Um, they would give me a press release and say, hey, can you share this on LinkedIn? And it was about tax policy or something you know, I knew nothing about. Like, no, I don't really share that stuff with, with my connections on LinkedIn. I had about 2,000 people in my LinkedIn network back then. It was a year ago. And today I've got just over 20,000. So I've no grown way. that by, by 10 times. So I spend about an hour every day on LinkedIn making connections. I post once or twice a day. Um, I have certificates of completion. So when a student completes my course, um, I take that certificate, I post it on LinkedIn, I tag them, I tag their company. Um, when they pass, so there's a scrum exam that they can do. When they pass that exam, again, I celebrate that. And I tag them on LinkedIn and I tag their company. And I also, I use a lot of Lego minifigures to illustrate my, my courses. Um, so, and my blog uh, posts and stuff as well. So the Scrum team is a bunch of Lego superheroes. So we've got Superman and Wonder Woman and Spider-Man and stuff. And I send a, a little Lego minifigure with my logo on the shirt. I send that to my student and uh, half of them will, will take a photograph and post that on LinkedIn as well. So that gets a kind of a viral thing going as well. And I find lots of their um, co-workers will, will like that, po those posts or um you know, comment on those posts, and that helps amplify that message and and um, amplify the, the you know the fact that I've got a course out there, and and more and more people then come and find me. Gosh, this is this is really good stuff. I, if anyone's listening and you're trying to put together your first course or just have one course, um, this is the way that you treat your audience. What Neil is mm -hmm. doing, I think the things you're talking about, which is like having people post their certificate of completion and cheering them on, giving them a t-shirt. These are all things that, um, are, are really great for just serving your audience. And, um, it just spreads that word of mouth, uh, really well. So it's like those extra little touches that I think have helped you be as successful as you are. And I think we'll continue to, to help, this course grow and your future courses as well. So everyone listening, this is, you know, write, write down these notes. It's, it's <laughs> really stuff you should be doing too. This episode and all of our episodes are sponsored by the Online Course Masters Academy, the one and only place you need to become an online course master yourself. With over two dozen courses that tackle every aspect of running a successful online course business, a private community of students like you, and bonuses like live office hours and webinar trainings, we've built the Online Course Masters Academy for anyone creating their very first online course and for anyone more advanced looking to increase their business and brand. Visit onlinecoursemasters.com academy to join today. Uh, thanks, Joe. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to, if you don't mind, we can break down your LinkedIn strategy a little more um, because I've myself haven't used LinkedIn a whole lot. So uh, I'd like to know, uh, how are you going about LinkedIn when you say you spend an hour on there? Are you writing content specifically for LinkedIn or are you just sharing your blog content? And uh, what does that look like once once they get your content on LinkedIn? Are they coming back to your website? Are you sending them to your email opt-in? Are you sending them to your course? So if you could break down that strategy a little more, that'd be great. Okay, sure. I'll, I'll share the, the types of things that I do. I will I have to admit, I'm not quite sure which of these techniques is working, <laughs> but in combination, they're working. Um, if I knew exactly which ones were driving the growth, I'd do more of that, but I'm not quite mm -hmm. sure yet. 
<clears throat> so there's a couple of regular types of things that I, I post. I've got, I still blog occasionally, but I'm investing more time in my podcast. Uh, so I had a, I launched a podcast with a co-host about a year ago. That Today that's a solo show. And I've done quite a few interview episodes, but recently it's just been pretty short, 10 or 15 minute um, here's a here's a tip, here's an advanced technique, or here's a listener question that I'm answering. And that, that could be a listener question where they've left a voicemail um, using SpeakPipe, which mm-hmm. is a little plug-in on, on my website, or they've sent me a video, or just sent me an email through LinkedIn or, or regular email, and I'll read that out on the show and then try and answer that with a little bit of depth on my podcast. Recently, I've been recording those on video as well and posting those on YouTube. But I found that when it comes to LinkedIn, you can share a 10-minute video on LinkedIn, and LinkedIn will promote that post much higher if it's a native LinkedIn video than if it's a link to a YouTube video. Mm-hmm. Like every like every social network, they don't want you posting links. It takes people away from mm-hmm. their social network. So um, the chances of my native LinkedIn video showing up on your LinkedIn feed is much higher if that's an, a native embedded video. So keeping it under 10 minutes. And what I'm experimenting with now is rather than trying to answer that question in a 10 minute video, is just have a one minute video saying, hey, I've had this question from Phil or Jeremy. Um, I answered it in my latest um, podcast episode and directing people to it there. So um, there's that kind of regular content every week or two. And then just little posts we've got, you know, I've got meetups going on here in in Brisbane. So there's invitations to that, interesting articles, um, just little status updates about what's going on in my current project. So I'm posting pretty frequently. I'm asking questions as well, trying to engage the audience and get them to share their experience. You know, if I'm having difficulty with a, a challenge on a project i'll say hey anybody else come up against this this issue how have you solved it and um, um, i'm also commenting on other people's blog posts as well so or other people's linkedin posts and that's that's working really well getting like getting lots of engagement on there that's awesome i see yeah i see you have like over twenty thousand twenty thousand followers on linkedin so that's people who are seeing your posts which it's just linkedin is a, a platform that i use secondarily it's all automated i have some blog posts being shared there automatically but it's nothing that i've really spent time on but for you with your your course topic being more of a b2b professional topic it's the perfect uh, it's a great platform um and people have actually recently asked us um how to use linkedin linkedin uh, better. So this is really great stuff. And, and also mm-hmm. the speak pipe, I, I I've thought about using that for even the online course masters. We should set that up, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good little tool. Cool. Yeah. So, you, so you made 30 sales in that first month or so. And nowadays are most of the sales just organically coming to yours, to the, to the site and buying your course just from all of your content that you're putting out there? Or are you doing any sort of specific funnels that are driving traffic to the to the course, like an email funnel or specific promotional videos or anything like that? Um, most of it's just organic, uh, just regular sales dripping in through the course of each month. Um, I've got about uh, we're around about 10 sales per month. I'd like to see that go up quite a bit. So one of the lead magnets I've launched recently 
is a periodic table. This is really geeky. A, <laughs> a periodic table of the elements for the Microsoft Dynamics 365 community. So if you remember back to your high school chemistry class, there's, barely. there's 180, <laughs> barely, there's 118 elements in the periodic table. Uh, I did uh, biochemistry at, at university, so um, <laughs> I can remember a little bit more. Uh, so what I did is for each of those chemical symbols, I went out and found either a website or a, an app in my ecosystem. So there's Microsoft Excel, Microsoft Word, and PowerPoint, and Power Apps, and uh, Flow, and all these Microsoft tools. And then there's the learning sites and all these apps and websites that are of interest to my community. I charted them all on this thing. I laid them out into color-coded chemical families. And, and that's just a really nice, interesting graphic. So that's a, a one-page PDF that I post on LinkedIn. I've posted it on Facebook and my website and Twitter. And it's visually colorful and pretty attractive. And then people can give me their email address. I'll send them the PDF. Uh, all the links in the PDF, unlike the image, the PDF links are all clickable. So you can get through to all of those sites, expand your knowledge of dynamics. And that engages you in a I think there's about eight or nine emails in a sequence over the course of about three weeks where I share my blog articles, my videos, and I just try and, and add some some value to people, letting them know that I'm, I'm the specialist in Scrum for Dynamics. And then at the end, there's just a little, um, you know, if you've enjoyed this content, here's my course. And then there's a reminder after that. So it's really just two pretty soft sales emails at the end of that sequence. And and that's how people get on my list. Very cool. So that's that's grown my list. I've had about so fifteen hundred customer insiders on my list that lead magnets responsible for about six hundred of those mm. uh, over the last couple of months. Yeah, so it's, that's grown really well. Um, I've tried using giveaways, so mm -hmm. the, I use the the King Sumo site to launch a giveaway. So it might be a Scrum book that somebody else has written that I think my I've read, I've really enjoyed the book. I think my audience would benefit from it. So I'll give away a copy or two of that. That's generated a lot of um, uh, giveaway entrants. I'd say the quality of that is a lot lower. I'm not getting names. It's just an email address. There's a few spammy entrants, but mm -hmm. by and large, you know, people... You know, not everybody wants to win a book on Scrum, so it's 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 a reasonably well filtered um, set of contestants. And then I you know post the winner, link to their LinkedIn profile. That they'll, they'll comment, they'll share that, and um, off we go again. Nice, that's very cool. Yeah, these yeah. are some some great tips. Um, definitely some some things to think about for anyone out there who's growing an email list. Uh, one question that we had recently that I'd uh, like to ask you, since you've been using LinkedIn, have you tried any type of advertising on LinkedIn at all? I have not. So I know that a lot of course creators have a lot of success with Facebook ads, with Google ads. Um, LinkedIn ads are at least 10 times more expensive than Facebook ads. Um, so if I was to run a LinkedIn advertising campaign, I, I've heard really you should budget, you know, five to $10,000 a month. Like, wow, that's, uh, that's a lot of money. Right. And um, <laughs> it's, uh, if you have a, lifetime value of your customer is well over a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars so if you're selling you know bmw cars or something then it's it's worthwhile if you're selling high high ticket software it's worthwhile um, if you're selling 
you know, big consulting services, it's worthwhile. In my case, it's a $97 course. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't I haven't been bold enough to try it yet. But um, as I launch more courses and increase the ticket value of my course, then yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try it. You can you can always set a budget and just say I'll I'll cap it up at, at uh, you know a thousand dollars a month or something, mm-hmm. and see how many qualified leads we get. Um, yeah. I suspect that I would be my ad would be shown to people who are already in my network anyway. <laughs> so whether or not it's it's useful, I don't know. But yeah, I haven't, I haven't tried advertising on any platform yet. I don't think my audience is really on Facebook much. Um, there is a, there is a dynamics group on Facebook and it's pretty well populated, but, um, people don't go there to, to see the type of content that I'm sharing. So speaking, speaking of pricing, um, you are currently priced at $97. You also have options for I'm assuming companies, if they want to purchase for multiple students, uh, five students for $397, 10 students for $597, so they get that discount. Do, did you have any method behind the madness for why you chose $97, or have you tested higher or lower? No, um, that's one of the mistakes that I've made is pricing it too low. I was When I launched the course, I was thinking of writing a book. Uh, the kind of books in this category are you know, 50 bucks. So I was thinking, oh, can I get double that? A <laughs> hundred dollars a course. Um, oh, well, I better round it down a little bit because everybody tells you numbers ending in seven sell more than numbers ending in a zero. Um, so I rounded it down to 97. I haven't tested other prices and I think it's way too low. Yeah. Um, I do get a, occasionally I'll get a student um, from a developing country saying, yeah, I can't afford $97. But most of my students are, recharging the cost of my course to their employer. So it's, mm-hmm. it's getting picked up through their, you know, expense reimbursement. $97 is nothing. Um, a, a two day in-person scrum training class will cost you $2,000 a seat. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm priced way too low. So I'm, <laughs> uh, I wish I'd priced it higher. And I really, that's, it's the downside is not just obviously the revenue, but it's the completion rate. If you've paid nine ninety seven, then your boss is going to remember that item in your expense plan, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. he or she is going to make sure that you have completed that course. They're going to make sure that you've taken the exam at the end of it and that you've passed it, because um, it sticks up. It's you know nine ninety seven ticket sticks out. So. And a $97 course may not even show up in most people's expense reimbursement reports. It's too low. And, and so there's not a lot of pressure to complete the course. Well, my, yeah. my completion rates are pretty good. I'm nudging people all the time. I'm celebrating success and that drives other people to complete the course. Um, but yeah, that's that's the real downside of a, of a course that's not expensive enough. So uh, I want to ask you about the uh, different student prices that you have. You've got uh, three different tier prices, one for one student, one for five students, and one for 10 students. Have you made any sales uh, on that pricing strategy and how has that worked for you? Yeah, so that was really just in response to demand from students who said, I've taken your course, I'd like to share it with other people on my team. Can I get a discount if they buy it? And I said, yeah, sure. So I was doing that on a kind of individual basis, but I thought I would formalize it a little bit more. And what I do is, it's just a a different teachable pricing plan. So I put together a five student bundle and a 10 student bundle. If somebody purchases that, then I have to go into the teachable coupons generate the coupon codes and email those to the person who, who bought the, the, uh, the bundle. 
Um, I've probably sold five or six of those, and it's it's really nice. It's you know you get all the money up front, and then you see the students claim the coupons, and that's it's a, that's a nice bump in the middle of the month when when those come in. Um, I'm going to you talked about experimenting with pricing, so I'm I'm moving off the Teachable platform onto Zendler. Don't know if you guys are familiar with the Zendler platform, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'm going to take that opportunity to revamp the course. I have been making continual improvements to it. So I'm going to revamp some of the videos, going to add in a couple more bonuses, put the price up quite a bit. So probably up to at least two, maybe $397. And the team bundle, instead of doing a discount for multiple students, I'm going to offer private team coaching. So um, uh, yeah, just to keep the, keep the value up there. So yeah. it'll be closer to a couple of hundred dollars per student. If you, let's say it was let's say it was two hundred dollars, a five student bundle would be a thousand dollars, and instead of discounting that, I'm going to say, look, I'll give you four coaching calls just for that team, um, four half hour calls. We can schedule those at a convenient time. Cool, very cool. So, what's the reason that you're switching over to Zendler from Teachable? Um, Teachable's been a, a good platform. It's got a lot of good features. It's been really solid. I've been a little bit disappointed in the pace of their innovation. Mm-hmm. So there was a there was a period for about a year where they hardly shipped any new features. The big ship feature that they did ship was their they changed their pricing plan and yeah. this thing called this thing called back office, yep. which was a which was a mess. Um, and last November December, all they did was support students through the confusing changes to their pricing plans and and this back office program. Yeah, that was. That was very disappointing. Um, I really wanted to know what was on their roadmap. What's coming? What features are you working on? Um, have we got any way as a, as a community of course creators on your platform? Have we got any way to influence that? Can we vote somewhere? Can we, you know, and, and they, were, they were very secretive about that. And Ankara, their, their CEO, has published a blog on, on Medium a while ago about their customer service challenges and about the lack of roadmap and, and their innovation. So I think they're... He's recognized it. He's heard it from from other course creators as well. And they're turning it around. But for me, it's just a little bit too little, too late. I've already made the decision to switch. Yeah, no, that, yeah, your reasons make sense. And it's definitely helpful that you are, you know, you have your one course. And uh, like me, I'm kind of stuck on the platform unless I want to invest a ton of time or or maybe get someone else to help me, but I got I would have to move so much stuff over to a new platform. Um, and I definitely hear you about those, the switches with the payment back office payments and <laughs> everything. That's a conversation for another day though. Um, one thing that I just noticed on your, on your sales page for your course is you got a, a lot of, uh, customer testimonials. How did you go about getting those testimonials for that page? Um, so that was just from my early students. The The first couple of testimonials were from my MVP friends who I'd given either a discounted or free um, place on the course. Um, those MVPs, a bit like me, are bloggers, podcasters, trainers, you know, kind of high profile people in, in my little niche community. So having their names and profiles and some, some nice comments on there was really helpful. Mm-hmm. And then others were just my students. I just say, Hey, you completed the course. Um, can I take the feedback that you've given me and can you expand on that and kind of use that on my website? And yeah, it just had a lot of good feedback from students that I've been able to use as a, a testimonial. And I'm, 
I'm not too shy about asking. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> yeah. I think um, if you if you just expect people to send you a testimonial and a headshot, you're going to you know, wait for a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Neil, man, this has been really good information. I mean, you know, you, you're very modest, but you're making 20,000 over uh, a year and a half. You've got an email list. You've got a ton of LinkedIn subscribers in your, in your network. And uh, I think you're doing great things, man. I think it's been really awesome. Uh, I wanted to ask you, Thinking back to when you first started, or you've been doing this for a little while, but the online course creation has been a little more recent. Thinking back to when you were first launching your course and, and first kind of starting going down this route, uh, is there anything that you would go back and you would do differently? Or maybe there was something that worked really good that you would do more of now. And uh, I want you to think about, you know, anyone out there listening who is where you were 18 months ago, what would you tell them to maybe focus on or maybe something that you would do differently to help out in their course creation journey? So I think one of the biggest challenges for people in my position, I, st I still have a full-time job. It, today I'm, I'm freelance consulting, but I have an engagement that's 40, 50 hours a week and I'm squeezing in my course creation and my content creation around that. The advice from, from experts like you guys, you have um, had enough success that this is your full-time uh, gig, right? So um, you have the luxury i'd say but yeah i know you're both busy but um you're able to focus on content creation on course creation lots of other course creators out there are squeezing this stuff in around their around their jobs and around their families and that's that's really tough so don't put yourself under too much pressure to meet a particular deadline do what you can keep the content going keep the course creation going have a little plan so i have um, blocks of time about I spend about three to four hours a day on course creation and content creation outside of my full-time job and um, I have a I have blocks set aside for writing blogs recording a podcast uh, doing some marketing checking the finances and um, a little a to-do list of uh, I need to write the copy for this blog article. I need um, to work on the new video script for this next um, course video. And I just, when I when that block comes up, I work on that item and then, uh, and then I move on. So I'm constantly rotating the different things that I'm working on. And it feels a bit never ending at times, but that's okay. You'll, you'll get there. You just have to be consistent and persistent and you can do it. Um, but I also try to work on my own skills at the same time. I've taken course creation courses. I've taken copywriting courses. I've engaged a vocal coach to try and soften this very strange Northern Irish, Scottish <laughs> accent that I have. Um, my accent is pretty messed up. So I've had to, you won't believe this when you listen to the podcast, but I've really worked hard to slow down my speaking so that more people can understand me. Um, and I've started to outsource a few tasks as well. And I really wish I'd done more of that at the start. Mm -hmm. I'm really lucky that I've got enough consulting revenue to invest in my course business, um, that I've engaged a, a, a VA through Upwork. Um, she's based in Melbourne, Australia, and she's, she's great. I wish I'd engaged more people to help me with podcast editing, with video editing mm -hmm. um, at, the, at the start. Got it. Uh, yeah. I did, I, I did it all myself and that's why it took so long. It's why it's still taking so long. <laughs> Man, so much great stuff. I one really quick follow-up question. So what's your your VA doing right now to help out that you do have? Um 
So she's doing a couple of things. She is uh, taking those course um, completion certificates. She posts those on my LinkedIn profile. She makes sure that I'm connected with the student if I'm not already connected whenever they sign up. Um, she invites them into a, a private um, LinkedIn group for me as well. Uh, so doing some of that kind of administration. And um, uh, right, now, right now I've asked her to go back through all my uh, blog articles and podcast show notes and change it from the third person to the first person. So it sounds like I've written it because I did write it. Um, so, you know, just little things like that. And cool. uh, I'll, I'll have her help me with, with, with other more and more tasks in the future as well. Really, really cool. This has been great. Um, I got one more question too, and that's just what's what's the next course you're working on or what? Wh when is your next course coming out and kind of where do you see your business going in the next uh, couple of years? Well, the, the next course that I'm working on is just for you guys because I know you're, you're desperate to know more about Scrum for Dynamics 365 <laughs> and, and get in really deep. So the next one is how to use story maps to estimate and plan your next Dynamics 365 project using Scrum. Obviously, <laughs> nice. obviously that's that's not that's not the title of the course because I can't even remember you, what I just. You need said. an acronym for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but story mapping is is the technique, and uh, yeah, I'm going to do a, a deep dive course on that. Uh, and then I've had requests for how to write user stories, which is another kind of advanced technique. So I'm going to be doing more and more advanced courses, to getting into. Um, technical kind of engineering topics um, to um, really better serve my audience and hopefully draw in some people who might not have taken my course because it is just an introduction course. In fact, I've only ever had to give one refund mm -hmm. to a student who bought the course. And then about two hours later, he sent me an email saying, hey, I, don't, I hope you don't mind if I request a refund. I didn't realize it was so introductory. I'm like, dude, it's called introduction to Scrum. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your, here's your $97 back. Good luck. Yeah, <laughs> funny. Man, well, this has been great, Neil. Um, for everyone listening, um, sorry, we got to cut it out. Just uh, we could, I, I feel like we could keep diving deep into some of these things and maybe in the future we'll have to have you back on and see how things are going. But mm -hmm. we'll include links to uh, your website, customary.com, your course site, and all of the other resources and tools that you mentioned in the show notes, which is going to be at onlinecoursemasters.com slash 87 for episode 87. And um, yeah, lots of great stuff. And for anyone listening, I, I hope you've enjoyed this chat as much as Jeremy and I have and really just looking at Neil's overall kind of picture and game plan is a great one for anyone getting started out. So again, Neil, thank you so much for being on the show and uh, best of luck with everything in the future. My pleasure, guys. Thanks very much for having me on the show. Appreciate Thanks, it, Neil. It's been great. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, make sure you check out onlinecoursemasters.com for show notes, to enroll in our academy, and to join a free community of fellow course creators who can help you out. Also, if you're brand new to teaching online, check out our free five-day course creation challenge. It's the perfect way to jumpstart your online course business. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate your support for the show. Now it's time to get to work. So go make some online courses and help us teach the world.